This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea. Rahul, it's back to the original two again, and it feels good. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. I we said this in the last episode with um, Dean. We're on an unbeaten streak, so I can't can't be too <laughs> too grumpy these days. The standards are a little bit low at Chelsea these days. <laughs> Our unbeaten unbeaten streak means as long as we don't lose, we're happy, right? Hey, look, after what we've seen this season, um, going away to Liverpool, not conceding, not dropping points in the sense that losing everything there, you know, I I just have to level set my expectations and and be happy. And to be fair, I think when we were talking about the Liverpool preview, you and I were actually content to get a draw and... Honestly, a little part of me was content to lose as long as we showed some fight and we were not hammered four or five nil. And all of those things went to fruition, which is great. I didn't have to see us, especially waking up super early for being in the <laughs> central region. And I know listeners on the West Coast probably waking up at 4.30 a.m. for that. I mean, we'll get into the game in a second, but I think, like you said, times are a little bit different now, but we're looking up, dare I say. I don't want to jinx it, but we're looking up for now and... Let's talk Liverpool, my friend. You want me to go through the starting eleven, or do you? No, you can you can run through it. So Graham Potter is playing a, a hybrid back four, back three. It depends on how you look at it. I'm going to stick with a back four just for discussion purposes. But Kukurea comes in at left back, which is good to see him. I think because Lewis Hall had kind of made that position his for the last two or three games. Barry Achille, we need to talk about him, Rahul. He's coming in there as well next to Thiago Silva. I don't know how much more we can talk about him, but we can squeeze in a few more words about him there. And Chaloba has been taking that right back spot. I think it'll be interesting to talk about because it kind of works into that back three hybrid model. Uh, a midfield two of Jorginho and Lewis Hall getting into that pivot, which is interesting. Good to see him there. It's his favorite or natural position, so he says. A three with Mount Gallagher and Hakim Ziyech. Again, I want to talk about that as we go through because it's very, very fluid. And then Kai Havertz leading the line. So, Rahul, let's start with the back line of Kukurea, Badashile, Silva, and Chaloba. I called it a four. It can be seen as a three when they kind of tweak things around. What did you make of the selection? I, I thought it was pretty standard in terms of who was available, who had been in decent form, I guess, with Chaloba and and Badishile, uh making his debut the other week against Crystal Palace and and deserved to be in the starting 11 in this game. Uh, the concern is always, you know, putting someone that young or that new to the league uh, in this lineup against the Liverpool side, but Liverpool themselves had their issues. So I think uh, all in all, it was the back four, back three, however you want to see it, was what you'd expect at this point, given, you know, we're missing quite a few key players in that area. Yeah, we've not even talked about injuries. I think Chelsea have a, another full 11 that could go on to any team if they really wanted to. But let's move up the pitch a little bit and talk about the midfield. Lewis Hall, Rahul, he's impressed not only you, but me and a lot of Chelsea fans playing at left back, left wing rack, whatever you want to call it. 
We do know his natural position is more inclined to be in the middle of the park. Were you surprised that Graham Potter put him in the pivot? I think that's a pivotal role. Excuse my pun over there, but it's something where there's a lot of exposure, a lot of attacking talent coming towards you. Wasn't his greatest match in a Chelsea shirt, I must say, but I think I'm proud of the man for doing what he needed to do and kind of put in a shift there. Yeah, and and that's what he does, right? He's a young guy. He's trying to uh, prove to the manager that he can be part of this eleven, and and no matter where you put him, he's going to do his best. And uh, I think we've said it for a while now: the younger guys are inclined to do better in this kind of a run where they want to give it their all. And that's like you said at the top of the show: that's what we want to see, regardless of the result. We want to see some fight. Uh, and guys like Lewis Hall and and uh, Badishile and Gallagher uh, want to do that because they want to earn their spot. But I'm almost wondering if he was in the pivot or he was more on the left-hand side supporting and helping out and Gallagher kind of dropping down deeper. Uh, but either way, I think uh, Hall deserved to be in that 11 because we were thinking it would be either him or Kukurea. Uh So good to see that they can both make it into the lineup. And honestly, I thought having him head of Kukurea or in and around kind of helping out on that left side benefited Kukurea because I want to say that was one of his better games we've seen uh, in the last few months or even since his debut. So uh, again, not getting carried away, but uh, every every little bit helps and uh, Lewis Hall putting in a good performance or helping out the team in a position that he hasn't been doing it, uh, playing in. I'll take it. Yeah, and I want to kind of pick up a few key words you said there, which is Lewis Hall deserves to be in the team and and he's helping Kukurea out a little bit. I think it's important to talk about maybe the team as a whole, Rahul. I don't think it was just a better perform performance from Kukurea, which which it was, don't get me wrong. And and there were no fireworks by any means. I didn't think this was Chelsea's Champions League winning nights or winning the Premier League, but it was a step in the right direction overall. I know a lot of Chelsea fans call it a snooze fest. It was boring. It wasn't the best Premier League match out there. But these are two teams that are struggling. And Liverpool at its, its finest, you think, would be a super-duper challenge. But they're kind of going through it right now. But for us, I think it's just keeping the pace, making sure we don't concede goals. And and that's important. So you, you commend Kukurea for having a good performance. I absolutely agree. But I think the team as, as a whole was taking that baby step in the right direction of let's not just roll over and let Liverpool go through. Because they did have a few good chances in the fact of Cody Gapko, we put a little joke out there that Salah is still in Kukurea's pocket the whole night. So we know little things like that were working towards it. We're praising the team overall. Hakim Ziyech was fantastic again. Rahul, I want to talk about Mason Mount. Mason Mount has been one of the best, if not Chelsea's best player for the last couple of seasons. Arguably, you can talk about Thiago Silva, of course, in the same sentence, but it's just not kicked off for him this season. Chelsea fans have, not all of them, but a good amount of them have turned on him very, very aggressively. I have some opinions here, but I want to turn it over to you to talk about Mason Mount and not only his Liverpool performance, but his performance thus far in the season. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I said in the last episode too, I, I have to be careful, right? Because I do have a soft corner for Mason Mount. I do have a soft corner for Reese James, Chaloba, Hall... Ruben Loftus-Cheek, 
uh, all these guys that have come through our academy. And, and that's because for as long as we've been Chelsea fans, when winning things along the way, everyone's thrown it in our face that, well, you've never brought anyone through since John Terry when that was, what, early 2000s? Um, and all of a sudden we have this influx of talent all at the all at one time, which is an interesting, interesting way, but all at one time. Right. And then I look at Mason Mount, particularly like we're talking about, and he broke into the team in 2019 under Lampard. Uh, again, rival fans may say that's because you had a transfer ban, but it is what it is. Um, and he worked his way into the team and made sure that he stayed in there. I think back to his first goal that he scored at the bridge against Leicester. And I'm going back a few years now. It all came from his hard work by closing down, I want to say it was Indidi, winning the ball back, and then scoring it himself. And you saw what that meant to him. And from that point, he's kicked on. I think he ended up being um, maybe not that season, but the following season, he was player of the year. Last season, he was player of the year. So he's had three full seasons in this Chelsea squad at the highest level, winning things along the way. This season hasn't been good. And you and I have said this for a while. And we can sit here and say that. We can say that online. We can say and chat with that, say that with any Chelsea fan we're chatting with. But I think the abuse that he gets is unfair, right? Because he's he is Chelsea. He's 24. At 24... I look at other players in and around him and, and maybe Kukurea, Gallagher. At 24, they get a little bit more of a pass because, oh, Kukurea just moved to London. He's, you know, he's um adjusting. He's had family issues. We haven't heard about some of these issues that Mount may be having behind the scenes. We haven't heard about some of the things that he's dealing with behind the scenes that may be impacting his performances. Another good point Dean made in the last episode, Jackie, was, Mounts played as an eight, he's played as a 10, he's played on the wing, he's played in midfield. Um, and every manager that's come in, Lampard, Tuchel, Potter, even Southgate for England, ends up picking him because they want him in that squad because he brings something to that squad. Now, Saturday was bad. Let's just agree, Saturday was bad. Saturday wasn't something Mason Mount himself would be proud of. But he's had three excellent years in this team everyone around him is struggling he's struggling i just feel like it's it's unfair to just sit there and abuse him and and someone else may turn around and say well you sit there and abuse Jorginho week after week all right i'll take that but again i'm i'm biased i'm not gonna sit there and abuse mount uh, as much as Jorginho because mount's my guy mount's our guy and he's going to be our guy for the next few years hopefully if he signs that contract um but that's, that's kind of where my head's at, right? I can agree that he's not been good. I can give him a pass and say he'll be back. He's 24. He's got 10 more good seasons ahead of him. But I can't agree with the abuse and things that are said about him just because, you know, people want to want to use him and, and make a point. Um, so that those are my thoughts around it. And uh, maybe I've gone all over the place. I've gone a few years back. I've come back to this year, this season. But... Uh, ultimately, it may be time for him, maybe when some of the guys that have been injured come back, to sit on the bench yep. and just get away from the limelight. I think we said that for a lot about Timo yeah. Werner, Kai Havertz. Maybe it's Mason's turn. And Mason is someone that can come back 
after maybe even just this week off, Jackie, without the FA Cup, uh, we have a week off and maybe come back and be energized and go again. We don't know. But look, we have a thousand players that can play an attack now. So <laughs> Mason Mount can take a little bit of a rest and, and come back when, you know, when he's ready, feeling good fit mentally and physically. A thousand players that can play an attack and we still can't score a goal. No, that's just a, a sly dig at us overall. But you said your points or your comments were all across the board. I don't I don't think so. I think you you did a good job of explaining the Mason Mount elephant in the room there. I say that. And I've given this a lot of thought because I openly and honestly admit I think Mason Mount is my favorite player in the Chelsea team. Him being my favorite player doesn't mean he is the best player on the Chelsea team. I have to be very clear with that because you can always give Thiago Silva a run. You can say Reese James is world class. You can argue Ben Chilwell. You can people who love Jorginho can tell you Jorginho brings XYZ to team. It, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he's my favorite player for several reasons, Rahul. And it goes beyond things on the football pitch. It's what happens after the football pitch. It's how he talks to the fans. It's how he shows us he's one of the Chelsea through and through that bleeds blue, for lack of a better word. And I've given this a lot of thought, and it maybe it's an un unpopular opinion. Maybe it's a popular opinion. Maybe someone's thought about it, maybe not. But I look at Mason Mount, and I don't compare him to this player in this way because of technical, but I compare it because of the situation. It reminds me of Oscar. We had Oscar come to the club at the age of, I think he was 19, 20 maybe, when he joined. Very, very young, but full of potential full of quality. He got into the squad, maybe because we were lacking in that final third. At that time, we had Hazard playing the left. I think Mata playing down the middle and we had to find some quality through the side and, and Oscar found a way to make it into squad. I think the first two or three seasons, Oscar was without a doubt going to be in that team. You could close your eyes and of the first 11, of course, Hazard was going to be there. Oscar was going to be there, but you knew he was going to play every single game. And then he played for the under-20s at Brazil. And then he played for the World Cup. And then he went and played for the South American tournament. And at some point, someone did the math and said, Oscar was playing 70 to 80 games a season for three years in a row. And it's a point I've made because I bring it back to Mason Mount, who has been Chelsea's guy, I think you said, for four managers now, for four, three, four years in a row, Lampard, Tuchel, Potter, even the England managers picked him for the most part up until this World Cup, but he's been there all the time. And the style of play he has is so aggressive where he's pressing from the front, coming back to make tackles, getting involved, running for corners. He's all over the place. Now at the age of 24, do I think he's physically tired? No, I don't think he's physically tired, but I think mentally at this point, he's been used in every position on the pitch. He has played so much football for three or four years that you kind of run out of ideas for a lack of better word. It's like you look up and said, I've played that pass. I've played that cross. I've played that touch. I've done this flick. I scored that goal. I don't know. And it's not that he doesn't know how to do it. Right. And that's not me knowing what's going on in his mind. It's just like, I've done all of this. And so my only thing at this point is take him off the pitch, give him a few games rest, whether that's three, four, five, it doesn't matter. You have to manage him well and say, you're not your best. Think about it. Take a break figure it out, and then we go back together. But I'd hate to see the situation with Oscar where he started going to the bench because his quality dropped, and he said, I'm going to fish for a move and leave Chelsea because we lost a talented player. Unfortunately, he went to China. We didn't get to see him on the European stage after that. 
but I don't want the same thing to happen to Mount where he's being linked with the move to rivals. And my final thought on this is creatively, we struggled. And so we start looking at a player like Mason to provide because he's done that before in the past, notably the Champions League final, where I think he picked out one of the best passes I've ever seen him put in a Chelsea shirt. But I'm looking at the man behind you, and we'll talk about him a little bit in a minute. You've got outlets like him coming to help and take that pressure off of Mason Mount and say, again, I don't want to put pressure on him, but you do something different now. Mason, you have a chance to go take a break and come back refreshed and go from there. Yeah, to to totally agree with you. And I think that comparison with Oscar, I mean, while you're saying that, I'm thinking a little more general with English players, right? And you look at Theo Walcott, who broke out at 18, went to the World Cup, I think, at 18. You look at Wayne Rooney, and he had a tremendous career. But I think once he hit 30, things started to change. And and I wonder if it's a bigger problem or a bigger issue in English football, especially with English talent, where as soon as you realize a player is talented or has got it, from the age of 17, 18, suddenly they're in the first team and they're in these big games and big situations. That At that age, Jackie, like you were saying with Oscar, but even, even with Mason or Reese, at that age, you you either have to have a very strong mentality or you have to have a system like Phil Foden does with Man City yep. where it's all about the system and he just fits in and does his job and sometimes he sits on the bench for two or three games. Yep. We don't have that luxury with Mason Mount yet because we he plays every single game. And yeah, people may be like, well, why does he play every single game? He's not performing. <laughs> but clearly the managers see something to put him in there. Uh, and again, maybe a thousand attackers will change that. Uh, <laughs> but I I do think it's it's a bigger issue in terms of how much clubs are desperate for local talent, homegrown talent. Yeah. And then when they find them, they just kind of run them into the ground for lack of a better expression. Um, and I hope, like we were saying, it doesn't happen to Mason. It doesn't happen to Reese and some of the other guys. But um, Mason, if you're listening... We love you. I mean, we, we're your biggest supporters and we want you to come back even stronger this season, next season. And hopefully, Jackie, all the drama around our squad and club kind of goes away too because that impacts players too. Um, and so once there's some settled structure, you know, patterns of play that Potter can bring bring to the squad, uh, Mason just signed that contract and, and stay. I'd love for him to stay. But Rahul, I think you've noticed a theme here. We've talked more about the selection, the individual players, because ultimately I think that while the game was was okay, there wasn't really too much to report on. And I think we can talk a little bit about Liverpool in a minute here. They have a new signing in, in Cody Gapko. He got into good positions, but really would never be able to find the target. It was kind of high and wide. Mohamed Salah, Rahul, he's been, how I talk about Mason Mount maybe being their player of the, being Chelsea's player of the year. Mohamed Salah has been Liverpool's player of the year for the last five, six seasons, without a doubt. It's not kicking off for him either. We make the joke he was in Kukurea's pocket, but he's not looking the same. I don't know if that's an age thing at this point or Premier League players have figured him out. I think it's similar to the Mason Mount situation. If the team's not clicking, you, you've got to figure it out. Do you think selling Sadio Mane was probably a bigger issue? Similar Again, similar to the Mason Mount thing where you had a second creative outlet or a second person scoring those goals to kind of take the pressure. Salah's kind of trying to carry Liverpool in his back sometimes it's not working out. Absolutely, 100%. And I think last season there was talk of Salah may leave, he may not renew his contract. 
uh, and people were like, at that point, you couldn't even imagine Salah leaving because he was so important to that squad that you almost ignored how important Mane was. Uh, enough, and yeah. then Mane leaves and, and you see the impact he had on, on that front three, but also Liverpool play with their fullbacks. And so when Robertson bombs forward uh, and Mane has the ball, he knows Robertson's going to make that run. All of a sudden now you're playing, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Harvey Elliott who ended up playing this game, but he's not Saidio Mane. And, and anyone that comes into that squad is going to take some time to develop that relationship. Um, so I definitely think that impacts a lot of how Salah ends up performing. And again, I think he's just having an off season um, like we saw Aiden Hazard have for us a while ago when we were sitting in 10th. Um, so it, it's rare that you get the consistency, the consistency that we've seen with Ronaldo and Messi just year after year, just going at, at it. Um, Salah is having an off year, but he's still, what, 30, 31? Yeah. Um, so I definitely feel next season he'll be back and and he'll have a, a point to prove because he has been one of the best players in the league, if not the best player. Yeah, and, and honestly, from the Liverpool perspective, I hate to admit this, they've got some injury problems themselves, notably in midfield, but without Van Dijk at the back, they always look like a different team, Rahul, and I think that's something we've, we've noticed. They didn't play with Alexander-Arnold, who is your favorite right back to compare to Reese. but ultimately, I think it's one of those games where I think maybe both teams gave each other a little bit of respect or both teams were playing to make sure that they were tied defensively and not concede. Overall, I think an okay match, but let's talk about a moment of brilliance, maybe a spark, maybe a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And I see you kind of leaning over for those on <laughs> online watching on YouTube, somebody breathing ice cold in his veins. Let's talk about Mudrik. Rahul, give us a little background about how this all came to be. I think we signed him not even a week ago, three, four days later, he's on the pitch and, I tell you, for a six thirty kickoff, that's the first time I got off the couch. It it's exactly what you said. It was a uh, a moment to wake up the crowd and the moment to, you know, I we I think we spoke about it when we were doing the build up. Do we start him? Do we come? Does he come off the bench? Uh, and I did feel bringing him off the bench would be the right idea because defenders are a little bit tired. And and at that point, I hadn't seen the pace. I just heard of it. I hadn't seen the skill. I just heard of it. Um, so, you know, I was, I was hopeful that he would come on and he does, I think around the hour mark or something like that. And immediately there's the excitement, there's some buzz. Um, you could see Liverpool kind of, and Milner particularly looking around <laughs> and being like, is, is someone going to come back and help me out here? Um, ultimately he takes a yellow card and, uh, gets subbed off, but it's, I, I don't want to do this just yet, but I think I have to. <laughs> Since Aiden Hazard left, you know, that left side has been missing that spark, that energy, that electricity that that Hazard had. And and of course, it took Hazard a little bit of time to kind of get to that point. Woodrick seems like, again, I'm getting carried away, I feel like, in, in a 25-30 minute cameo appearance, but Woodrick seems like he's going to fit right in and do the unexpected things that we've been begging the likes of Pulisic or Mount or Sterling or Timo Werner or Kai Havertz to do. Um, there's a couple of passes that Mudrik pulls off. I think it was like a reverse pass back into Kukurea or Carney. And, and I'm like, Carney, just shoot it first time. Don't take another touch, which is a, a whole different topic we need to talk about why we keep taking extra touches in the box. But 
it's those kind of moments that he sees that no one else sees. And, and that creates panic, right? When you're a defender, you're seeing Mudrick run towards the right wing. All of a sudden, the ball comes into the left. You're like, what is what just happened? So he keeps you on your toes and keeps us on our toes because we don't know what he's going to do, but he does, which is which is just exciting and refreshing to see. And once we get the pieces in and around him, right, if it's Jao Felix or or whoever the striker ends up being, I think we're in for a treat. And eight and a half years looks like a long <laughs> time now. But if this man performs the way we think he's going to, we're we're going to enjoy every second of it. Listen, I hope this episode makes it to YouTube because the fans will get to see you and I giggling like little boys on the playground because, you know, they've always likened football players to a manager gets a new toy. And I've always found that a little bit disrespectful because they're human beings at the end of the day. But Rahul, it almost made me feel like we got a new toy in Mudrik. And I mean that with the highest amount of respect because I am very honest when I talk about waking up super early to watch the game and it's pitch black outside and you're sitting on the couch and you're like, nothing's going to happen. I'm having my cup of kickoff coffee here, waiting for some energy to flow through me. But when he comes on and almost instantly you see the pace that he brings to the pitch and everybody's kind of like, whoa, he just injected some energy to everybody on that pitch. The game kind of moved up another gear, which is great. A player can run fast. How nice. That's great. We've seen so many players run really fast. But then he starts to dribble with close control and you're wondering like, this guy is the real deal. And look, ultimately, this could have been a fluke and I can come back here in a few weeks and say <laughs> Mudrik had one great game and that's the end of Mudrik. But I don't want that to be the case. I want to live on this dream for a little bit longer and I want to see him develop. And I think maybe the theme is what we're repeating here is manage him well. He doesn't need to be in the starting 11, killing players in the first two, three, four weeks of his Chelsea career, let him come off the bench. Let him kind of get warmed up. Maybe let some of these defenders get tired and he comes and tears them apart and it just builds his confidence more because that's what you need for a player like this is get up to the full confidence because if he's doing that in his debut against Liverpool and he's doing <laughs> these touches and dribbling, when he's a fully confident, fully fit, and when I say fully fit, he's not played for about a month or so, you might be seeing the, I keep saying the real deal, but I sat down and I was like, Rahul, I've never heard of this player. We're paying a hundred million for a player and a hundred million <laughs> this market. Yeah, sure. It's a hundred million, but it is a hundred. It's a hundred million. And then you see that and you go, look, if he does that, I don't expect it for the next eight years, but of the eight years, if he does it for five of them, because you can't have an off season wow, we are in for something fun. Again, no pressure. I hope you're listening, Mudrik, but no pressure. <laughs> Just do those dainty little flicks and tricks, and I think you'll light up Stamford Bridge in the next one. And and every other fan in the league, rival fans, should thank Todd Bowley for not letting him go to <laughs> Arsenal because if this man ends up in Arsenal and in their front three, we're, we're talking about the title just ending up there without even any of any fight from Man City because... Man, this guy makes a difference to every top team. Again, we're going off of 30 minutes, yep. 25, whatever it was. Uh, but you can see he's he's hungry. He wants to show the world what he's got. And and he's doing it in a blue shirt. And then hopefully I'll be buying one of those shirts come this summer when we hopefully get to see him uh, in, the, in, in a summer tour right, from what we hear in the U.S. My my parting thoughts on him, Rahul, is, is the tattoo, the neck tattoo, the famous neck tattoo. It's talent 
ain't enough. And ultimately, <laughs> he's he's telling you something which I think is is really important and maybe a theme of Chelsea football players of late. We have a lot of talented players. I don't care what anybody says and they argue this or that. We do have a lot of talented players. But talent isn't always enough. You need to make that extra run. You need to make that extra pass. You need to stay on the pitch a little longer, do those free kick trainings and that penalty trainings and everything that you need to to take that talent that you're born with and take it to the next level. We've heard the, the success stories of the Ronaldos, the Lampards, the drug buds that stayed extra and did the hard work and it took it to the next level. So I'll leave it with that parting thoughts. But before we wrap up the Liverpool segment, parting thoughts on the match overall or any key moments you want to talk about? I mean, there was a Kai Havertz disallowed goal. Um, so we did score, but then <laughs> didn't count uh, on a different day. Maybe it counts and it's a different story, but Look, I can't be I can't be too picky. We were on a bad run of form until that Crystal Palace game. We won that game, which is what we needed to come into this game. And uh, there's two sides to it. Obviously, we we walk away with the draw, and we can be satisfied. On the other side, we faced a a poor Liverpool side. You said Van Dijk wasn't there. Um, they played a couple of youngsters, and and Milner played at right back. So. On a different side, we should have won this game uh, with the talent that we had on the squad and from the bench. But we're not at that stage yet. We're very early into this revolution uh, that we're facing in, in the sense that players, managers, and as a club. So we got to be satisfied with what we got. And, and it was ultimately a mid-table clash, like we've said. And it turned out to be exactly that. Uh, but... It's looking better than it was a couple of weeks ago. And like we said in the last episode, you and I, that's what we want is going into these weeks, going into it with a defeat is a whole different mood than kind yep. of saying, hey, we got a point against Liverpool. Let's build upon that and go into the next game, which is Fulham who beat us. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think Patrick Vieira said it very well when Crystal Palace did a, a good job was it's still Chelsea at the end of the day. It was Fulham, I believe. It's still Chelsea. I know they're going through a hard time, but we beat Chelsea. And so ultimately, I look at it this way, is this Liverpool squad has been fantastic for a few years. And so, yes, acknowledge that they're not their strongest. Yes, acknowledge that we could have played better, but we still held against the Liverpool team and we move forward. Rahul, I want to stick with Liverpool, but not the club, the city. I want to move on to Everton and talk about our dear Frank Lampard. It's uh, almost a year, I think, to, to the time that, or two years since he's been let go from Chelsea and it almost repeats at the same time period for him at Everton but formal news is Frank Lampard was let go after Everton lost to West Ham I think that leaves them 19th in the league table which is definitely a hard one to swallow they've been struggling and Everton's a massive club but let's talk a little bit about our dear Frank Lampard Do you, you probably saw that coming didn't you I did and it's not a surprise because Everton are a big club, right? And they are building a new stadium. They have ambitions of being in the Premier League for the for a long, long time. Uh, and so I think they needed to make a change and they need to bring in someone that gives them a little bit of a bounce like uh, Lampard did initially when he came in, but then he kind of faded away and then brought them back up. So uh, I think they needed a change. Unfortunately, the fans didn't want this kind of change. They wanted to change a little bit above Lampard. But, uh, you know, as the owners, they got to decide what they do. And and I have a question for you. Do you think he looks back at this now? He took this job almost a year ago. He looks back and says, you know what? I was being a little picky with the jobs that were coming. I maybe should have been a little picky with this one, too, because 
he's now been sacked twice in two years and it it gives a bump on your career in the sense that you want to progress as good as your playing career was this kind of limits the opportunities that you think you deserve so uh, do you think he looks back and says should have should have waited that one out i don't know frank lampard personally i think that's one of my ultimate goals is to actually meet him and talk to him because he's he's by far my favorite football player of all time and i loved it when he joined chelsea because that was like a match made in heaven unfortunately it didn't work out there i think the little i know of him externally as a fan and we even spoke about it a few minutes ago is frank lampard loves a challenge and frank lampard loves to push himself to the edge with chelsea in that first season it was an absolute challenge it wasn't just coming to the chelsea of old where there's a hundred million frank buy whoever you want and spend the money and go from there and in the second season, he did get that 100 million he was able to buy. And while we didn't have a horrible season, it wasn't going the way he probably envisioned. And I wonder if that knocked his ego back a little bit, saying, like, I, I could have done something with this club. And ultimately, if you look at it, Rahul, that same team went on to win the Champions League with Tuchel for, for three, four months later. And, and Tuchel himself has thanked Frank for the hard work they did to get there. So all that aside, I feel like I don't think he regrets it. I think Frank is the kind of guy that wanted to get back against the wall, work as hard as he can because we knew Frank as a player and what he did to bring Everton out of a relegation spot, which which he achieved, and no one can take that away from him either. It's just with this season, I, I don't know what went wrong. The squad isn't horrible. I mean, it's not the world-class squad that you expect, but it's not a horrible squad. It's not a squad that should be in the relegation zone. It just doesn't seem to be working is all I can say. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because, like I said, I think he he would want the same kind of uh, career as a manager that he had as a player and hit the heights yeah. that he did as a player. But maybe it's just time to reset, take a step back, and and go into a team that will allow you some time and and you know, of course, maybe not the money, but some time to build what you want to build, and then you can kind of work back and come back up because. We've seen so many managers in the Premier League get fired and, and they come right back uh, in the sense another club hires them. So we wish him the best. Hopefully it's not a year before we see him again, but whatever he decides, uh, we'll always be supporting and, and wishing him the best. Absolutely. And I think I liken it to us as Chelsea fans, and I know a lot of Chelsea fans and listeners don't like this, but to give Graham Potter a little bit of time. Everton have struggled from the same situation of buying players for Carlo Ancelotti, Rafael Benitez, and of course, Frank Lampard. But it takes, it takes a little bit for everybody to gel. But Rahul, let's move on. You told me earlier we have a thousand forwards and nobody's scoring. <laughs> We've added another forward to that thousand count, and that's Nani Madueke. Since the time that we played and we were actually going to be playing against Liverpool, Nani had signed. He is a young man from PSV. But what can you tell me about Nani Madueke? Uh, well, he's he's an English player. Uh, you know, his roots are from Barnet or or London. Uh, he's been at Crystal Palace as a as a youth player. He's been at Tottenham as a youth player. Uh, moved to PSV, like you said, and and now comes back to England with Chelsea. So, uh, I think he's nineteen. He's a winger. He you know he's skillful. Has pace. Has ability to dribble. Take players on. So everything that we'd expect from from a, a player that we spent about 40 or 45 million on. Um, but I do have some concerns regarding the injuries injuries. Um, I was looking at the record and it's about 
18 games uh, this season for PSV, uh, maybe 25 games a season before. So, again, and, and injuries are something you can't predict, but if you've seen a pattern, which is what I'm seeing here with uh, these, that just leaves me a little concerned because we ultimately want him to kind of grow into this team and be a, a superstar starting 11 player. Uh, so hopefully the injuries are behind him, the the squad and, and the medical team have done their research and uh, we afford him the time to settle in and don't rush in, rush him into the squad. And ultimately we give him, you know, the chance to prove himself in England. Yeah. And he was a little bit cheeky with his Chelsea interviews when they asked why he joined Chelsea. And he said, they are the best club in London. So Tottenham, take that and yeah. do what you will with it. But he's telling the truth there. They are the best club in London. But uh, other than that, Rahul, I think just a, a quick word on transfers. Chelsea seem to not be done yet. They're looking at Malo Gusto at right back, which I think you have been calling for a, a good backup to Reese James for a very long time here. So I know we don't know much about the young man, but what are your thoughts on Chelsea finally looking at a right back to maybe back up Reese when he's not fit? It's about time. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's, it's, I'm glad to hear that, that we are, and I think he's 19. So again, another young player we're going to bring in. And um, my only concern there is how do you sell someone to be a backup player to, you know, a person that we know in Reese James when fit is going to be starting and is going to be first choice. So um, that's the only thing, but hey, he may look at it as an opportunity to say, let me test myself against one of the best in the world. And when the opportunity arises, I'll step in and, and do a job and show Chelsea fans and fans around the world that I can be part of the squad. Uh, again, he's a, a good defender from what I hear. He's He's got pace. He's got uh, attacking attributes and defending attributes. So he could be one that we end up seeing playing together with Reese James if Reese ends up playing in a back three and, you know, where, as Tuchel used to use him or even use him in midfield. So um, lots of options in this squad, Jackie. And um, I think ultimately we'll have to start focusing on some outgoings, but I think we'll we'll touch on that in the next episode. I think so. As, as we go through and see what happens towards the end of January, we can talk a little bit more about that. And Rahul, I think in a normal season, Chelsea's competing in four competitions. And so regardless of who you are as a football player, I think you notice that Reese is maybe not got the best record with fitness. And so hopefully they give him a little more rotation and save him for those key games, almost like we we were doing with Ingolo Kante last year. But that's it on the transfer sagas. I know there's a little more linkage coming back with Enzo Fernandez, but not too much to talk about just yet. Let's talk about... The other team in London who are running away with things, Rahul, and something we don't like to talk about, but it needs to be done. Arsenal versus Man United. And look, if you're talking about two teams in form, those are the two teams in form. And so expecting maybe a clash of the old school Titans back. You're taking me back to 2000s, early 2000s, where they were getting a little bit heated, a little bit aggressive. Maybe Roy Keane, Vieira's era, where things were happening in the tunnel. But Overall, a good game, but you have some thoughts on Man United. So it ends up being 3-2 Arsenal winning the game in, I think, the last kick of the game. But tell me a little bit about the game overall and your thoughts on Man United, because I think it's it's worth having a discussion. I, I thought it was a great advert for the Premier League, a 3-2 win, like you, you mentioned right at the end. Uh, both teams, for the most part, going at it, taking their opportunities, but 
I just felt, I mean, everything that's been said about Manchester United, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. They have been very good. They've recovered very well from uh, the few setbacks they had early this season, and you got to give Ten Hag credit for it. But it just seemed like they had no... I mean, I think they wanted to counterattack, but even then they just didn't seem to have a plan. Um, you know, Rashford gets his goal and he's in he's in tremendous form. But apart from that, I mean, Anthony on the other side, not impressed with him. He's, he has the skills, but he has the skills just to show them, not to do anything with them. Um, Bruno Fernandes was, was okay. I just felt like, even though they got two goals, it's it's weird for me to say this, but they got two goals, but it just didn't seem like they had any like patterns or any plan in their attack versus Arsenal. And I get it, right? Arsenal had three years into Arteta's manager, uh, you know, overseeing them as a manager. Ten Hag's just come in. So Arsenal just looked a little bit more consistent. They knew how they wanted to attack. They knew what they wanted to do. Uh, and Manchester United just seemed a little disjointed, and and I thought they didn't particularly play that well. Uh, they would have been lucky to get away with the point, which I would have been okay with because I didn't want Arsenal to win. Uh, but ultimately, I think the the better team won on the day, and hey, Manchester United still come away with two goals and have still a long way to go under Ten Hag, and so he can use that and be like, look, if we continue to do the things that we're doing, we will get to where we want to be, but Credit to Arsenal. I mean, it's it's tough to say this, but they're 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 definitely playing very well. Things are going for them. They've not had many any major injuries, unlike us. Um, and as much as I don't want to see them win the Premier League, I have to, as a football fan, just put my hand up and say they are they are doing things the right way, which is building a team over the last few years and. And working on the pitch with the right kind of idea versus, you know, parking the bus and and look, we've done that and I'm okay with that too. But um, <laughs> I would really like to see Man City come back at some point and stop dropping silly points and and take that top spot back. And it's a catch twenty two for us Chelsea fans because a while ago we were like just winning Premier Leagues and Man City got the money and we always said, well, you know, you don't have as many Premier Leagues as us. Now we talk about Champions League, but. They're catching up with the Premier Leagues. And if we're not careful, they're at one point going to overtake us and have a few more that we're going to have to catch up on. But in this season, I'm okay letting Man City do that. But, man, Arsenal are... I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with the next, for the rest of this season. And it's going to take quite a comeback from Man City to overturn the, the deficit. You know, one thing that stands out to me, Rahul, is you said they don't have a major injury, but they bought Gabriel Jesus in, who was supposed to be the guy banging in the goals, leading the line. And, and he is a major injury and he is a major loss, but it's wonderful to see someone like Eddie and catchy. I think he's 23, maybe 24 now who's been at the club a long time. And you almost wondered with, with Jesus coming in, if he would be going out or maybe forced out, but he seemed to have stepped up and covered Jesus while he's out. He's getting the goals. He's getting the winners. He's performing like he needs to. And so, Overall, that team has been fantastic. And with Man United, it's almost... I never believed how much difference one player can make to a team. And you can look back at the Chelsea team and when Mourinho bought in a couple of guys that was Costa and Fabregas and that team went to the next level. Or you look at when Conte came in and he brought Ingolo Conte. Or even today when Ingolo Conte comes back, it comes to the next level. I never fully processed that till you look at Man United and 
They were pretty poor to start off the season. Casemiro comes into that midfield, and now they start going off onto a, a fantastic run, clean sheets. Casemiro suspended for this game. And again, I thought they did okay, but they concede three goals. And you, you start to look at this, and I hate to bring this back to Chelsea, but a difference that one or two key players can make to the squad or to the team overall. It's exciting for them to have Casemiro because even at the age of 30, he's doing fantastic for them. But for Chelsea, I spin it back to us. We're maybe missing one or two pieces to this puzzle to, to spin it off and we can go on a, a good run and maybe climb the table. But before we go, Rahul, I'll pass it back to you here to take us home. But Erling Holland is another one that I wanted to talk about to wrap up the segment. I hate talking about the other teams in such positive lights, but my goodness, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I was sitting down, minding my own business, and I get a text from you saying another hat trick. <laughs> and I'm wondering, because I don't follow some of these teams sometimes because it's depressing to see them banging goals and Chelsea are struggling. <laughs> but another hat trick, I'm like, who? And it's like Erling. And it's like, fourth hat trick halfway through the season. I think he has something like 25 goals at this point, which is absolutely ridiculous. And they're still only second. Just a word on Erling Haaland, and then you can take us home, sir. Yeah, but before I speak about Erling, um, what team did Eddie and Ketia leave to join Arsenal? Do you know? No, I do not. Chelsea. Fantastic to hear. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was released by Chelsea in 2015, and that's when he ended up uh, moving to Arsenal. And look, he... He may end up winning the Premier League with them, and wouldn't that be quite a story for everything that Chelsea have gone through this season? But um, and another striker that was linked to Chelsea, Holland, last year. Uh, man, if Boley was around that time, I think we would have had it. But <laughs> <laughs> no, look, he's he does go missing in the, some of the bigger games, yeah. but um, he's 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 a machine, and he's a machine that just keeps scoring and keeps scoring and. Uh, you said fourth hat trick in 19 games, Jackie. That's the fastest in the Premier League. More goals or more hat tricks than Ronaldo in the Premier League. Um, he would have won the Golden Boot in 16 seasons with the current tally that he's got already. So he's. I'd like to hear if you think he gets to 50 goals for the in the remainder of the season. It's hard to see him not getting there, Rahul. I, I unless an injury happens or something along those lines, but it's hard to see him. They have FA Cups to play. They still have Champions League games to play, and I'm thinking he's got 20 plus goals in the Premier League alone. So it, I, it's hard to see him not get there, which would be incredible. And you made a really good point earlier. A, a fantastic advert for the Premier League. We've always known as the best leagues and attracts the best talent, but you're probably looking at the next wave of fantastic football players maybe after the Ronaldo and, and Messi era with him and maybe Mbappe but my goodness it's fantastic and it's fantastic to have him in my fantasy league as well <laughs> yeah yeah all right okay um <laughs> no so yeah I think and imagine like you said if the, after all that they don't go on to win the Premier League that in, in itself would be a great story but it's it's gearing up to be an exciting end to the season with you know the the top of the table, the top four, maybe we we squeeze back in there and try to make a little bit more profit. <laughs> um, but the Champions League is coming back. So a lot of games still to be played, a lot of football to be played, and, and we'll be watching and covering and reacting to it uh, on a weekly basis. But that wraps it up, guys. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. 
It's at the Premier Chels on all major podcast providers and Instagram and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. And we will be back with our good friend Ben Jacobs later this week, uh, most likely doing something different uh, this time around on YouTube. So stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. And uh, until then, stay safe and up to Chels. Hey, guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.